With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, Mark. Um, yeah, I got back on Friday, so um, had a couple of days back at training now. Yeah, really getting back into things again. And yeah. Enjoying the colder weather again. <laughs> <laughs> Cold jeepers. It's humid. It's humid. I, I look back over your career and um, from debuting in 2018 at the Paracycling Track World Champs where you got a silver, your rate of improvement has been quite incredible. So when did you first get on a competitive bike pre-18? Um, oh, geez, I think I started somewhere around 2012. Um I didn't really commit properly for like two years. I, I kind of eased my way into things. And then, um, yeah, in the lead-in, probably for about a year or year-ish, um, in the lead-in to 2018, I started to really um, give it a good nudge. And then, yeah, um, 2018, my first comp in Rio, managed to get a silver. So that got me hooked, you know. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> You're a uh, C5, I think it is, the classification yep. C5, which is always quite hard to understand all the different categories. Yeah. So, so can you explain to us what a C5 and the, and the group of people in a C5, um, what, what the level of disability is? Yeah, for sure. It is quite tricky with the whole of um, Paralympics to track the classification system and it's really hard because it changes from sport to sport as well Uh. and you know from an outsider you just see a bunch of numbers and letters and it doesn't make any sense so so for me in cycling see single bike so two wheels not a trike not a hand cyclist Mm. it's just a classic bike and the scale is one to five so one being more impaired and five being least impaired Mm -hmm. um there's no specific disability with cycling um to the classification it's just level of impairment so, like, for me, I tend to be amongst a lot of other hand amputees, so I'm missing my left hand, and most other people in my classification are similar, but um, there's other people who have, um, like, lack of muscle function and things like that. But you'll find, you know, the same thing peppered throughout all of the classifications. It's just, like I said, level of impairment, yeah. How was how the classification reached? Is it like an independent body that do that? Um, so when you start out, you'll... Um, meet with like coaches of your sport that you're getting into in New Zealand and they may get you in touch with just uh, a local classifier and people can give you an idea in New Zealand of what classification you'll be but it's not confirmed until you go to an international competition and it's actually a point of stress for um, a lot of people um, getting into para, para sport because you know you might think that you're tracking a certain time in a certain race, and if you look at your score internationally, you know you'd sit, you could sit pretty well. But then you go to your first international race, and um, they might put you in a different classification than what you had thought that you might be, and it might give you a much worse or much better chance in your sport. Mm. So you know, <laughs> it can be quite stressful for some people. Luckily for me, um, you know, C five, I'm right at the end of the um, the scale, and there's no chance of my disability changing or improving. So I'm pretty pretty secure with where I am. That's not really something that I've had to deal with. Um, 
But yeah, sorry, I forgot your original question. Which <laughs> no, no, you explained it. So that's it. you've even forgotten it, and you've explained it beautifully. Um, how how you oh, got classified? So, uh, and, and amongst the para athletes, I guess there's a sprinkling of people uh, with disability from birth and people with new disabilities. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it is, um, yeah, completely different. You know, um, yeah. So I I lost my hand when I was five, but. Um, yeah, within the team, there's there's people who are born with their disabilities and not, and, and it's actually you know like first and foremost we are athletes, but you know it is quite cool to also be in an environment where you're not a minority and you can connect with other people with disabilities and um, <laughs> you know just it's just normal, it's not a big deal. Like you know, um, it, I mean it is a big deal for some. It's different for everyone, you know. Like this, I can't say that like everyone's journey with their own disability is the same, but it's quite cool to be in a group of people where you can just like candidly chat about stuff that might make um, able-bodied people kind of stop and either feel sorry for you or whatever, you know, yeah. like it's just it's just normal. It doesn't have to be a big deal, <laughs> I've, depending on where you're at with your journey, you know. Yeah, I've spoken to people with disabilities, who, which was a result of an accident or something, and, and it's, I was going to say common, but it's not unusual for them to say, their life started when they got that disability because it gave them focus, it gave them yeah. gratitude, and it gave and it, it just gave them perspective. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, um, but I haven't, but well, I didn't meet another amputee until I was sixteen years old. So, wow, I can't say like up until that point, I've really had a lot of um, interaction with that scenario, but. When I was 16 and I did meet other amputees, it was quite cool to see, to hear from people who had, sorry, excuse me, had um, acquired their amputation later in life. And, and it was, you know, there's all kinds of reactions that I have seen to it. Some people are shocked. Well, not exactly shocked, but like sort of blown away when they hear or see other people who have had their amputations much longer still lead normal lives and like, you know, be quite active and like, rock climb and kayak or whatever like some people are sort of it's it's crazy they think their life is over sometimes when they get their disability just because they haven't seen other people you know carry on with their disability so that's something that I quite enjoy about um you know my time when I was a cave guide I got to interact with a lot of people without disabilities and show them that you know people with amputations and things like that aren't just you know people you should feel sorry for like we still have value and we can still kick your ass in a cage you know <laughs> like we're still pretty good at what we do if we want to like it's not the end of the world you know what i mean yeah, yeah. did you say cave guide yeah <laughs> so i studied outdoor instruction um once i left high school and um i spent about seven years as a cave guide in waitomo doing um the adventure tours um, so it was like declining and um, abseiling, climbing, climbing up waterfalls and things like that. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Really cool community there too. Really enjoyed my time with them. No disrespect, but I can't think of anything worse than underground <laughs> caving because I have a little bit of um, claustrophobia. I, that would just yeah. scare the bejesus out of me. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not for everyone, but I mean, take take a take a little baby step. You could um, see how you go on just one of the walking tours where, you know, you can call up and ask and, uh, about how small the space gets and just see how you go there. And if you 
if you think you could take another step, then throw on a wetsuit and jump in the river. Oh hell no, <laughs> hell no! I mean, I did the <laughs> I did the general tourist thing and went to the Waitomo Caves, and I freaked out a little bit, but um, I actually got oh, yeah. got out the other end, and I thought that was that was a pretty cool experience. Now, uh, Tokyo, you went to the Olympics. Um, you had a fourth, I think, a uh, couple of personal yep. bests, some sixths. That was sort of you arriving. I want to say to us on the international stage, but what did the Olympics do for you? Oh, yeah, the, Par- the Paralympics were pretty crazy. Eh? Like, I mean, it, it was it was it was quite a different, obviously, games experience. Like it, to us, it sort of just felt like um, a kind of different world championships because we didn't for, for cycling, we weren't in the village. And we were obviously quite isolated with, you know, the COVID protocol. So it was it was quite surreal because it was such a massive life moment, mm. but it happened in isolation and it almost felt like a dream, you know? Like, yeah, I get you. Obviously, like, it was an incredible experience that brought me much closer to my teammates because what a, what a thing to go through. And, you know, like you bond really close to the people who are beside you through those highs and lows, but... For me, uh, I guess it, it made me more hungry, you know, like that, that race that I got fourth and I, I missed out on a personal best and I was really disappointed by that. Um, yeah, fourth is hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that definitely fueled the fire. Um, but my other three races that I got sixth in, they, they were actually like pretty much all personal bests. I mean, you can't really um, measure a personal best in a road race, but I mean, I'd never managed to hang on to the front bunch as long as I had until that race, and I was really proud of how I um, how I hung on. Like I, I didn't have the technical skills to to keep up with the front bunch on that race. You know, like we'd be hooning down the hills in the pouring rain that happened that day, and <laughs> I, I had never raced in anything like that on that kind of those corners. Like my cornering skills weren't good. So I would drop and then, um, you know, they'd slow down on the uphill and I'd catch back up. <laughs> and I did that like six times. And every time I could see the camera on the back of the motorbike, you know, um, sort of waving goodbye to me as I dropped in the pack. And then I'd come back and they'd be like, oh, she's back again. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I was really proud of that. You know, like it's not a win, but it, it, it's funny in sport. I've found this, that the, the moments you're most proud of aren't always correlating with the result. Like, you know, it's always awesome to be on the podium and that is always a great feeling. But sometimes, like, just getting sixth place is just the most amazing feeling, you know? It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> then we go, I'll just rattle through. May 2022, you got a gold in the World Cup in Germany. Uh, August that year, silver and a bronze in Canada at the Road Worlds. Uh, two months later, two golds and a bronze in France at the Track World Champs in 22. And then in August 23, uh, last year, they had a Super Worlds where able-bodied and the disabled cyclists, you got a gold, a silver, two bronzes in France. So I'm guessing sort of since the Olympics, you became a full-time athlete. Oh, yeah. Um, so I became a full-time athlete in February 2020. Um, I stopped my job at the Waitomo Cave just before COVID hit. Um, so, yeah, I've been full-time since then. Um, yeah, pretty full gas. I train um, five or six days a week, sometimes multiple sessions a day. Um, but I'm pretty lucky with, you know, my life. I've, I've moved to Cambridge now, so I, I live around the corner from the track and I can just ride to training. And, yeah, it's, 
it's a, I'm pretty privileged to be where I am right now. Yeah. Track or road? Which one? Which one? Oh, it's a bit of a pun. Well, which, which one spins your wheels the most? <laughs> well, that's actually changed my answer to that through time. Um, most of my career, I always would have said track, but um, my technical skills have caught up to my strength now on the road, and I'm performing quite well there. And, and it's it's much more fun in a road race when you you can keep your head and um, you know kind of have an impact on the race and and try some tactics out and keep up with people and it's it's very enjoyable when you can you know impact it so I'd almost say road now but I, it's almost a tie because have you ever been in a velodrome? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty fun, eh? Have you been on a bike on there? No, Nicole, no. I was offered <laughs> once and I declined because it was about 20 years ah. since I biked to school. So uh, I said no, but I went to the... Oh, wor- give it a go. Yeah, there was a World Cup there at the Velodrome a few years ago and I was lucky enough to get a media pass and stood down in the middle and it blew me away. Like the speed, <laughs> the intensity, the heat as well. It's yeah. phenomenal, but um, Road V Track... I'm no cyclist, but the scenery changes on the road. On the track, it's almost yeah. like swimming and watching the black line. Nothing changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's short, sharp, and and um, so specific and detailed on the track. Though you know, like I'm I'm keeping track of every split, every lap that I'm doing down to like the millisecond. So it, it's quite a rush, you know, and, and especially dropping in down the sides. It's 43 degrees at the track in in Cambridge, so. It's quite, it's quite a feeling. It's really cool. You've got to give it a go. Um, and the road, yeah, the change of scenery is, is so cool. Like internationally racing on the road is probably more fun because you get to be out in the country and see what the country is made of, you know. Um, but training here in Cambridge, sometimes being on the road can be a little bit mind-numbing. Mm, yes. <laughs> you know, same thing day after day on your own, you know, in the rain. Um, but, yeah, it's honestly, it's a mixed bag. I couldn't give a one or the other clear answer. Yeah, it right. changes. That's fair. So, so much training and um, resting is part of training and nutrition is part of training. Do you have time for anything else away from cycling? Um, the one thing I kind of have kept in touch with from, I guess, my pre-athlete life is surfing. I don't claim to be good at it, but I do it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's probably the only thing that I really have the energy for because I, I do find I have a bit of spare time with what I do, but not necessarily energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, so, yeah, surfing um, uses more arms than legs, mostly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll head out to the Raglan or um, Waihe sometimes and just, you know, frolic around in the white water. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, um, the I, occasional time I'll go caving, oh, but right. not a lot. Yeah, wow. I had a surf lesson in Whangamata over Christmas New Year and absolutely loved it. Loved it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So there you go. I, don't, I can't go caving, but I did. I did give surfing a crack, and I and I loved it. So yeah. I, yeah. I scratched the niche, and I thought, oh, I quite like that. It's 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 quite, <laughs> and it's quite a, very different to cycling for you. Mm, it's good for your back as well, and a lot of cyclists have bad backs, so yeah, it helps with your back strength. And yeah, it's just good to get out. You know, there's something about the water that's just good for the soul as well. You know, you you know, you've been. <laughs> yeah, I'm a surfer now. I'm a surfer now. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's just wrap it up with your latest performances over in Murray Bridge, um, another World Cup, uh, more medals. Just talk us through the, I think, two events you went in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was a road World Cup, so um, no velodrome racing. Um, so the first race we had was the time trial. So that's an individual event that you uh, set off about a minute apart from your competitors. And for us, oh gosh, I think I've actually forgotten how far the race was. <laughs> I think it was just around 20k 
Um, but it was three laps of this motor circuit, which is so much fun. Like the, mm. the course was just wicked. Um, and we got to ride it the day before. So we got to work on our cornering and like just kind of a race plan, how we were going to attack the course. Um, so I managed to get silver in that. I was 20 seconds or 30 seconds of first place. And there was three seconds between me and third. Nice. So that's some good fuel for training. Um, and then the road race was on the same course, um, but it was about seven laps. For, for, for my classification, we tend to have about 60 to 70K for our road races, but not super long in cycling terms. Um, and I got first place for that, which was pretty cool. It's better than pretty cool. It's bloody awesome. It's bloody awesome. Hey, Nicole, um, you've you've developed quite the resume, as I say, since you're debuting internationally. Gosh, we're six years ago now, or maybe five and a half years ago now, and you started with a silver and you're kicking golds, you're, you're getting golds, and in 2023, the female para-athlete uh, summer sport of the year. So you're right at the peak. Yeah. It must be it must be quite cool to be you at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been, um, you know, a bit of a windy road to get here. Being an athlete is never straightforward. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely celebrating the wins while I can because, you know, sport is, is chaotic and you never know what's around the corner. So, yeah, it's very, very cool at the moment. Very much enjoying it. Yeah. Well, Nicole, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to us today in, a, in an active resting zone for you today. And I know you'll be back out on the bike pretty soon. So uh, thanks heaps for your time. And uh, me and all the listeners will keep following your journey. Um, you're going great guns. Oh, thank you so much, Mark. This was a great chat. Thanks for having me.